Hey everybody, welcome to A Study in Games, a podcast by Little Rock Games. I'm Robbie. I'm Olivia. I'm Tanner. I'm Brad. And I'm Joe. This month we played Pokemon. Uh, we played just about all the main series games. It is, uh, or was, a series created by uh, Satoshi Chijiri and Ken Sugimori. And kind of the whole company is owned by Nintendo, Creatures Incorporated, and Game Freak. And they all pay very, play various roles in production and all that stuff. Uh, but the main series is a Japanese role-playing game where you have a team of uh, monsters that you go out and you catch, and you can train them and raise them. They're sort of loose story elements, um, but there's a lot of deep core mechanics. Um, the, the franchise has lasted over 20 years, and it has staying power for a reason, and we're going to talk about some of those reasons. But first, let's get everybody's impressions. Me first? Yes, you first. Well, cool. I, I have lots of experience with the Pokemon series already going into this month, but I was really excited about it because I got to play Pokemon Black, which was one of the ones that I had never played before. Uh, we had a copy forever, and I just never played it. Um, and it was really cool. I think Pokemon Black was one of the last ones that was a 2D. Uh, yes. One of the last ones. Um, and it just immediately all came back to me, like <laughs> everything. It didn't take any time. Like I just jumped right in and just, just started playing it. Real quick to explain for the listener, I, I skipped over something. Uh, the Pokemon franchise is usually released in two different versions. The it started off with red and blue versions. Uh, in the generation Olivia was talking about, there was black and white versions. Each version takes place on a different continent in the Pokemon world and features new Pokemon, new things to do, um, that's it. Yep. That's why she's saying she played the black version. Yes, I think. It is frequently a color or a gem or something like some, that. Some sort yes. of dichotomy. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Designated um, by the company. Actually, right. it's interesting, though, because I think one of the reasons why I never played this generation was because the legendary each of the games has like a legendary that's sort of like the feature of pokemon the, the big sort of the big boss of the game um i i thought they were always super boring and i hated them mm. <laughs> so it's one of the reasons why i never picked up and it was also just during a time when i wasn't really playing many mobile mm. games or i guess is it mo not mobile but handheld handheld handheld, handheld. yeah uh, not, i wasn't playing many handheld games but uh, me and my snivy still went on some adventures <laughs> Right. So my first experience with Pokemon was in the form of a bribe to keep me quiet on a road trip from Arkansas to Colorado. So I got a shiny new uh, purple Game Boy Color wow. with Pokemon Silver, I believe. Nice. Um, so that was my first experience. I was probably like six years old. Uh, and then I, you know, played all of the Pokemon games uh, that I could get my hands on up until uh, it moved to the DS in the Nintendo DS generation, uh, which I never had. So I didn't come back to it until college. So I had like a 10 year gap of no Pokemon. Uh, <clears throat> and it's been, it's been a couple months since I played recently, uh, but for this month I played uh, Pokemon Moon, I believe. Uh, me and Olivia have been splitting each generation now. So uh, can, I, can I ask you, Tanner? Would you, was that your first kind of game? When they gave you that Game Boy? No, so I had older, uh, an older brother and okay. older cousins who I was sure. always, you know, tagging along. So my earliest memories of games were on the SNES, so like okay. Mario Kart and, yeah. and that kind of thing, or or maybe even PC games. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
this was, I think, my first like personal console, like the first thing that was just mine. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been a while for me. Um, and I, I came into the middle of Pokemon Moon because uh, that's where I left off. I kind of trailed off with it. And I didn't quite finish it, but I made it a little ways uh, this month. I played Heart Gold. Um, so <laughs> Robbie put his hand on his chest with a, with a <laughs> so look of glee. Um, so, and part of it was under Robbie's recommendation. I, I basically played it because it was one of the ones that my kids had that Robbie also recommended. Um, being a little, one of the two older guys in this podcast, I had never, this was all kind of, this all came about as way after my time, I was already an adult when Pokemon became a thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, so this was the first one that I I ever really played. I had seen my kids growing up playing them, watched the show. We had the, 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 uh, VHS cassettes of it. And then, then we had the DVDs of it, uh, my kids always had cards around the house, so I kind of know more about the 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 bigger picture of it and the story of it than I do really about the game side of it. Uh, but yeah, I played Hard Gold, and we'll talk about all that experience in a bit. What you got, Joe? <laughs> I played Sapphire Alpha Sapphire huh. Alpha Sapphire um, <laughs> on the. 3DS, I think. Yes. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> of the 3DS. Um, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> Who are you? How did I get here? Um, you Pokemon get off my lawn. <laughs> Before that, I had only ever played the card game. Um, and I had never even... I want to say I had never even seen a still of a Pokemon game, like even a, a screenshot of one. Um, I think I had seen you guys playing the, the Go, but, um, <laughs> but not, the, uh, not the early sort of traditional. Um, and are, are we saying what, what we think? Our initial I think thoughts? think we should. Yeah. Okay. We'll circle back. Um, okay. I, uh, you know, I found it immediately thrilling and engaging. I mean, it's it ticks a bunch of dopamine boxes for me, so. Um, I, yeah, I, it also took me back to, um, I mean, I didn't, there's, there is a generational thing, Mm -hmm. but I, I, I played lots of sort of web-based and PC games through, through the nineties that I think have some similarities with, you know, in terms of the style and in terms of the, the kind of, anyway, Mm -hmm. um, I, I, it was, I found it super engaging for a bunch of reasons that we can, we can detail as we chat, um, I also, there's a kind of weird hardware thing that, because I haven't played a handheld console probably since the 80s. Yeah. Um, and I, when I was nine or 10, got Mattel Electronics um, Football 2, the green one, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. which you guys, that won't make any sense to you at all probably. But um, in the old days, <laughs> you had to hook it up to a donkey to get it to go. <laughs> Little mice on bicycles. <laughs> now, um, anyway, I, I won't go into a lot of detail, but but the Mattel Electronics made a series of sports games, and and they they would seem crude and bizarre now, but but I got one for Christmas when I was about nine, and and it it was like the greatest Christmas gift of my life, and so there was a weird kind of transference for me to having a handheld in my hand and the kind of the feel that's it's just different, right, than anything else, and so that was 
was kind of neat for me as well, aesthetically, so, and, and tactile So, So, I want to circle back to that okay. after we get everybody's impressions. Because nostalgia, I feel like, has been baked into Pokemon yeah. from the beginning. But okay. Yeah. Um, not having a lot of the reference of it uh, going in, uh, I, I knew what Pokemon was. I knew how it all worked with islands and different continents and how it was town to town and you collected and you uh, raised them up and you leveled them up and you fought them. I, I knew the basic concept pretty well. Um, there were some tropes that I just totally missed and we can talk about how all that worked as we go along but but all in all i i had fun playing the game it was uh i think that if i would have gotten my first one when i was six years old that i would absolutely be at the same level that you guys are with it that it would be so much a part of my my uh not just nostalgia but all of my i think all of y'all's lives uh have you've grown up with these things and I think I would have been the same had I had I gotten into it earlier, um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun. Uh, it was cool. Uh, one thing that uh, this is not a down thing, for, not not a negative of it, but I would play it at night when I got home and I you know did all the stuff that I needed to do and I got in bed and I'm playing it on the little little, little uh, 3ds. And it would put me to sleep. <laughs> Go on, <laughs> waiting for the waiting for the next. But it was wonderful. I mean, it was a good like. A re, it was a nice calming thing at the end of the day. So I really actually liked that part about it. I didn't get super far because of that, but uh, <laughs> but it was fun. And I will. I'm definitely going to keep playing it and see where I can take the rest of my guys. Yeah. So I've played. I've played most of the generations. I think Diamond and Pearl and Black and White are the two that I haven't played that much but i played a little bit of them um but it's interesting this is the first one where it's felt hard for me to make it through the game the other ones was because i was sort of going back to an older game so i went from a 3d game yeah uh pokemon sun and moon that generation sun and moon um it was going back so i was like okay this is the the 2d sprites i i find the the 3d more enjoyable now um and i think it has a lot to do with they, they changed up the, the overall structure of the game in that generation. So rather than having, mm -hmm. I believe, eight gems and then the, the championship, the Elite Four that you go through, uh, you go through a series of like island trials. And so it's broken down differently. And it's surprising to me how much of an effect that had mm -hmm. on my motivation to go through the game. Like my brain's expecting the pattern because I've done it so many times now of like, all right, I've got these eight gems and each one's going to get progress progressively harder and it's got a specific theme. Uh, and that generation, it didn't totally depart from it. There's a lot of similarities there. It was there. more story-reliant than a lot of the other games, I felt like. Definitely, definitely. But I think they pulled away from, like, so heavily theming the gyms. And it was more of, like, a series of smaller uh, progression systems. So you fight, like, three or four uh, lower-level leaders on each island. And then there's a big kahuna. They're Hawaiian-themed. Mm. Um, and then you <laughs> fight uh, the big kahuna on each of the four islands. Um, and I think I'm, I'm, like, three quarters of the way through it. Uh, there might be fewer islands. There's a lot I don't remember because uh, when I started the game, it was like when, when Sun and Boom just came out. And so I picked up right in the middle of the game uh, this month. And to, be quick, uh, to clarify, Sun and Moon is the most recently released gen, right? Yeah, Sun and Moon and Ultra, Ultra Sun and Moon, yes. And then Ultra yeah. Sun and Ultra Moon. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, I, my impressions. Um, like I talked about, I've played Pokemon since I was real little. I, my first one was the first Pokemon game, Pokemon Yellow. Um, where you just had the one Pokemon and it was Pikachu and it followed you around. And and then I got, you know, every generation after that. 
And yeah, I remember, it's funny that you mentioned laying in bed playing it because one of my like, I just have such vivid memories of bringing a little flashlight with me in bed because mm-hmm. it didn't have a backlight on the, the Game Boy that I had. And laying in bed and like trying not to get caught staying up playing <laughs> it. So I would do it for hours and hours and hours. I'm just of playing it over and over. Fancy and over. kids, you got one of the snake lights that mm-hmm. drained oh, the AA yeah. batteries like oh, instantly. Yeah. Those yeah. are the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and yeah, the, the cultural element's a big part of it too because it wasn't just me. It was every kid that I hung out with on the playground also had a different Pokemon game and we got into fights about which ones, who traded who, what Pokemon. And there was the one kid who had a cable that let us connect the consoles right. so we could trade them. <laughs> and so I have lots of those sorts of cultural connotations. Mm-hmm. So it's impossible. It's, it'd be pretty hard for me to say anything bad about, anything like large scale bad about Pokemon just because of the impact it's had on me but in terms of the one that i specifically played um black was really interesting i feel like it followed just a lot of the same formula that i was used to it didn't feel like it was really doing much to innovate um i feel like i remember when it came out people talking about it feeling stale because it was more of the same thing um but i mean for the purposes of this it was exactly sort of what i wanted a refresher on how it sort of felt to play the game and um just what that game loop was like just getting to delete Leer as soon as I had the chance to do it <laughs> again <laughs> and growl and tail whip. I'm <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, you know, I don't know. There's just something really cool to me now about because of how many times I've started a, po- a Pokemon game right. just to just to do it again and to Get take my starter again. And, yeah. Can can I so, ask something? When oh. you said that your your first one was the original Pokemon Yellow, what were uh, Game Boys? Was it the flagship? No. Okay, I mean, G- Game Boys weren't made around, weren't no. weren't started for uh, no. Pokemon's. Okay, so Pokemon games they had been out for a while beforehand, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I have been playing Pokemon since the first games came out. I started with Blue version. I've played every generation of Pokemon and every sort of mid tier generation game except Crystal, um, and I. At, not as of Sun and Moon, but before that, own separately one version of every character that I have stored in a special online thing called Pokemon Bank. So uh, we and, had to renew our PokeBank subscription. <laughs> yeah. So I'm. I. It's safe to say that I'm a super fan. Uh, I very much like Pokemon a lot. Um, I definitely think that there are some problems with the franchise, but I want to start off the conversation with. You mentioned nostalgia and you mentioned the link cable and you mentioned the flagship aspect of it. And I, I would say for most consoles or most of the time when Nintendo releases a new handheld console, Pokemon is not the flagship, but it's definitely the a system seller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of times Nintendo themed versions. Of yeah, the their handhelds will not necessarily lag behind. Some of them have been very successful, but when a Pokemon game is coming out, Suddenly, people that had no interest in getting the Nintendo handheld suddenly will get the handheld. Um, so the creator, uh, Satoshi, when he was a kid, his biggest hobby uh, was collecting bugs. And his, uh, all, of the, all the kids in town would call him uh, Professor Bug. And because he knew all about bugs, he knew where to go to find all the coolest bugs, and he would get them and compare them. And it was a huge thing in his neighborhood. And then as... Uh, places in Japan started to get more developed, that hobby just sort of phased out because there weren't a lot of places to go and find bugs. 
So as he became a game developer, he wanted to give kids that experience of going out there, finding and comparing bugs. And so that was that was the genesis of the idea of Pokemon. But also, he was working for Nintendo, and they wanted their their handheld, since the original Game Boy has had the ability to link with another Game Boy, but there weren't a whole lot of games that were using it. And so that was sort of uh, one of the directives that he had, too. It was like, let, let, we got to find a way to use this link cable thing. And a big part of bug collecting when he was a kid was trading those bugs. So that became a huge feature of Pokemon. And the reason why there's always separate versions is because there's some Pokemon in one version, some Pokemon in another. And if you want to be a crazy person like me <laughs> and own one of every single one, you have to trade with your friends and you have to talk to people and give them something worthwhile for something in return. Mm. So that's why it always see it does seem like it's it's a it's a flagship game. And it is one of Nintendo's top games, <laughs> but it's almost never released at the start of a handheld console. It's usually sort of sometime later, and it usually leverages big hardware changes, mm -hmm. or whatever big hardware change of that handheld generation is. Right, I remember when the 3DS came out, and my oldest son uh, totally wanted the new, the, the, the one that came out after the 3DS because it leveraged some, yep. I don't even know what, but I remember it happening. So the coolest thing about that one was that <laughs> it, the, Probably so, knows. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so on the 3DS, it, it had a, um, an infrared thing yeah, built into yeah. it. So rather than a link cable just or simple. memorizing codes, yeah, you can just point the two at each other yeah. and it was so much faster and easier. In fact, black version, came, like the cartridge, like the well, that was on the DS, not the that, Exactly, that was on the DS, but the cartridge for the black version was an infrared coating and there was an infrared light in the cartridge. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that so that, that was like their first test of doing infrared. So you can point a, a black version to a white version or another black version, and they could talk through infrared, not through the possibilities of the hardware, but through the possibilities of the cartridge, which I thought was really cool. That is cool. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, that's a good innovation. There's that. <laughs> well, I think the social element is really important because mm -hmm. that's that's been baked in from the beginning, like you said. Even with that that sort of dual version, mm -hmm. um, they they limit. Uh, there's like a handful of Pokemon that are only available in one of the versions. So to get them all, which is something they emphasize in the game, you have to trade. Uh, and especially at that time period for me, that was the only like multiplayer game mm. experience that I had was like on the playground, yeah. you know, like sneaking your Game Boy in your pocket yeah. out yeah. there and then, you know, running behind the gas tank on the playground or whatever to quickly <laughs> trade Pokemon or have a battle or something like that. <laughs> Uh, we can talk about why you had a gas tank on your playground in another, <laughs> another episode. I, right. <laughs> I was thinking how wholesome it is that they were sneaking behind the gas tank to trade Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something else. It was we very know. illicit. Yes. <laughs> Come behind the gas tank with me. We'll trade some Pokemon. Right. Yep. I know what you mean. <laughs> but Again, that was... We're from different generations. I'm not that kind of boy. <laughs> Uh, that was really like one of the earliest memories I had of any kind of multiplayer experience. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, you know, before you could really do like internet multiplayer easily or anything well, like that. And I even remember the moment where somebody pulled out this cable and I'm like, what are you doing? What is this? <laughs> like, I was literally like, I had it's no... It's like a gateway drug. Well, they, yeah. well, they like show we that you could... the gas tank and Just the fact cable. that you could link two games together yeah. at the time, yeah. it absolutely, you know, like seven-year-old me, I thought it was the most insane crazy well, well that was a ever. big big thing then yeah. and, and i mean there was really not much else like that even even early days of so-called massive multiplayer games they they or, or even just networked game local yeah. uh, local area network games yes 
Lands, we called them. Uh, yeah, that was getting there. Uh, it took me a minute. There's some acronym in there. Um, they weren't even. They were. Well, it was a different thing. I was yeah. about to say they weren't that sophisticated. They were. They were sophisticated, but in a, in a those, they're two different animals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there is. It's funny because I have a nostalgia for lands. Like we used to. I worked right. in a. This is what computers are good for. I worked in a little engineering firm as a temp worker in the mid 90s, probably 95, 96. And we got like brand new computers and they were all on a network. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing we did with them was downloaded games that were networking, you know, (laughs) and played like, uh, what's the one that they tried to Duke Nukem. We played the original Duke Nukem on these like, and so, yeah, so like the, that kind of a shift mm-hmm. to having that kind of that. So, yeah, you're right. It's two different kinds of thing, but mm-hmm. but it's a really. And it was happening at like the same, I mean, yeah, at the same time. The yeah. memory of that, mm-hmm. um, like the emergence of that kind of behavior is is totally impressed on me. Like I, I have it all contextualized with a really specific period of time. So. Yeah. And I mean, from Nintendo's perspective, it's a brilliant idea because you build in this like factionalism, like which copy did you get? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're either competing to be like, oh, no, you should have gotten like you know, silver, gold, or, you know, that. Or you buy two copies, yeah. and they sell twice as right. many copies. Wow. Especially yeah. because, and this is something that's really interesting to me, that I, at least we encountered while trying to get a copy for Joe to play, um, one save file per cartridge, right? Yeah. So you can't even share your copies yeah. with wow. other people. Which you, is, like, a weird version of, like, some elements of a roguelike. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't just be like, oh, I have, exactly. like, you know, I want to make a new like, save. Well, it's interesting, Roguelike too. meets DRM. Right. That's that's another interesting thing that I think is really important to talk about with Pokemon mm-hmm. is that so those things were originally hardware limitations, right? right? Now they do not have that excuse anymore, but they do it anyway. And there's lots of things in Pokemon that I think are holdovers because of the nostalgia of it and because of various other reasons. Yeah. I that they just just because they right now they they're such the fans are so ravenous and so passionate that there's this really fine line they have to walk between evoking the old games which people say they want and writing new features which people also want but you know they don't want to like with sun and moon like if it feels like a totally different game Mm -hmm. it's so and yeah that's definitely something i want to get into as well with the save file thing in, in particular that's something that a lot of fans say that they want and i i feel like uh it would ruin something minute but slightly essential to hardcore fans enjoyment of the game because it feels very personal when you have that cartridge Mm -hmm. and you have your game and these are your pokemon having multiple save files suddenly cheapens that experience and now it's suddenly like well i have these over here and i have these over here and it makes the whole thing a lot more uh disposable Mm -hmm. um especially because i mean it might be exploitable as well yeah it could be exploitable too and then that's an easy way for you to get multiple legendaries um, multiple starters yeah yeah just keep re- redoing. Yeah. Right. When when I it wasn't until maybe fifth generation that I actually wanted to go back and let, and be decided to have every Pokemon, and so that required me to go back to my old games and actually hunt down the legendaries and the rarer ones. And if I could, it, and so it became sometimes I wouldn't be able to go. Maybe it was an event Pokemon you had mm-hmm. to go to Toys R Us to get on one specific day, and I would find someone online. Hey, do you have this thing? I will trade you something for it. And if suddenly someone could make three different save files, that trade, 
you know, it's not it's not as hard to track down. You'll probably end up with people that have 50 different versions of mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. same Pokemon. Which isn't, you can argue that, well, Pokemon shouldn't be that rare, but there was something about spending three months hunting down all these really rare... The hunt. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That, that felt really good. And, yeah, so, nice. and so, you know, yeah, it's an artificial scarcity, and these are just bits and bytes sitting on a card, but that is meaningful to a lot of hardcore fans. Sure. And so getting rid of that scarcity mm -hmm. cheapens that experience. Right. It, it's, it's interesting, the, the, the artificial scarcity, a lot of games... I don't like the artificial scarcity, especially that massive multiplayer games typically do. Uh, you guys, I think in previous podcasts, I've talked about World of Warcraft and, and a lot of the games like that were kind of broken for me because that, that artificial scarcity leads to grinding, leads mm -hmm. to all this kind of stuff for no reason, which takes away, in my opinion, from the gameplay. But I think hearing you describe it in, in this, it seems wonderfully essential in a way to, yeah. to the way... Pokemon was I built. Because Pokemon is built to be a grind-heavy game. Yeah. Especially when you get into, like, high-level competitive breeding and stuff where, you know, there's all these hidden stats you have to manage and it takes 10 generations of breeding the same Pokemon to finally get one of your pedigree, right? What's interesting about that, though, is I remember when we were talking about Monster Hunter World and you talked about how mm -hmm. cool it would be to be the one person who has, who is the great Jagras guy, mm -hmm. right? Pokemon is that game. Oh, yeah. You can be that person that has this, like, perfectly bred really rare thing and then people will like if you mm -hmm. contribute outside of the game in forums people will find you and it'll be like a really valuable resource and in that way there's like a really interesting economy around the pokemon mm -hmm. games so when you trade but it's one, mostly external when you trade one it's gone from you yes yeah it, and you have to go back out and find it again or yeah when, if, when you trade with someone that's gone from your game, and the yeah. thing that they have to give you is gone from their game. Got you it. are actually trading. And then once that happens on one of these specials, like uh, uh, Heart Gold, for example, if I went and found the rarest ones, the ones that were only in Heart Gold, right. I could trade those back out to someone else, and then I'd have to go find them again and re trade Depends, because yeah. Legendary Pokemon, there's only one copy per cartridge. So oh. Legendary Pokemon, you go to, you find whatever mm -hmm. cave they're in, you catch it, that's it. That's the only one you get in that game. So, so why would you trade that away? Because every game has a unique legendary. Yeah, but then you won't have the legendary for your game anymore. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, wait a minute. Well, I don't understand. Well, a lot of time, a lot of times, what honestly happens is there will be an event for that game mm. months after the release, so that each opposite version can get the legendary that's not. So on you will eventually be able right. to most likely get both legendaries. Or if not in that cartridge, then in the next version of the game, there'll be a release day event. Where you can get the legendaries from the previous Gosh. games. But also, before that, though, like people would play until they get the legendary, trade it to somebody else or to another cartridge, start the game over, and then trade it back. <laughs> so, and then play, oh, yeah. yeah. And then get another one. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, They'd spend 40, but it takes 40 hours to wow. get there. You know <laughs> yeah. What I mean? yeah. But it's a thing that people did a and, lot. Yeah. Especially when, you know, trying to get ones that are like max stat ones. Exactly. So, Olivia's brought up stats a lot. <laughs> and we have two new players. Yes. yes. How much did you guys care about stats? What was your relation to the stats in the game? Yes. So it's I'm glad you brought this up because there's there's a lot of kind of interesting background knowledge that's required I yeah. think to maximize both the skill but also I think in some ways the enjoyment of the experience, right? Mm -hmm. As with anything, like, you know, if you're just learning how to play tennis, you're probably not enjoying it quite as much as if you're 
kind of a pro at it. But even when you were like, to get that pedigree, I was like, what now? But I, I felt that almost immediately. Like, um, because there yeah. were even there were even kind of UI things that I assumed I was probably supposed to know. Yeah. Like it took me, it probably took me an hour to figure out after I had caught a Pokemon, it took me an hour. Well, it took me a, a while to figure out how to catch one. Because I just kept killing them, or mm -hmm. sorry, making them faint. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, man, I really wanted to catch that one, but I was like, I, I couldn't, like, I just couldn't figure it out. Um, and then, even, I, for all, I, all the time I played, I still don't know how to let one go. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> and I didn't look at anything online. I just was like, okay. And eventually, there were people who would come along and sort of say. Oh, did you know that? Yep. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I wish I'd known that four hours ago. <laughs> and I was like, why weren't you in town one? Why are you in town five? Um, but to answer your question about the stats, um, I was I was sort of fascinated by them mostly when I leveled up. So when I would level up and it would say, you got plus two of this and plus yeah. one of this. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. But um, I don't think I played enough for it to start to really sink in. I mean, I was still basically like growl, growl, water gun, yeah, growl. And then hopefully that was enough. <laughs> and, um, and I had like one that was so much, I also realized at some point, I mean, I had one that was like really high level and the other ones I was like afraid to use them. Mm -hmm. And so I just kept getting that one higher. Yeah. <laughs> the other ones were just sitting there doing nothing. And I thought, I'm probably supposed to be leveling them all up. Well, I want to ask that. Uh, yeah. You guys with experience, what what should you do? So I could carry six at a time. Yep. Uh, my Toto Dial was that Toto Dial? That's, that's yeah. a Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, rename them. I rename they they let you rename them when you yeah, first they hit them. Yeah. And I renamed him Crikey, and then I forgot what he what he actual name was. Good so for you. He's just Crikey. Giving them nicknames because um, he's a crocodile. Yeah. Anyway. No, um, that's a great so, nickname. <laughs> thank you, Robbie. I, I appreciate. It. I'm, I'm, I'm a name reader. Um, <laughs> so. What what what's, what's the uh, what's the best practice there? Is it to totally get your best one and 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 level the hell out of him and just kind of let the other ones languish? Or what I always tell new players is just play with what you like, like just do whatever. Okay. When when I first well, but well, but let most, me back you up there yeah, because I I I had six at a time, right? Yeah. And before I realized that I could go farther out into the next town. Um, which is another story altogether, which we can talk about. But um, I was tr I, I thought that I needed to level them all up, that there was like, I'm going to have to use this guy in right. some situations. They were almost like a toolbox of, of, yep. of different skill yep. sets. So that's that is true. That's true. So yeah. okay. so it all just comes down to the, your type coverage, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> if you have 10% of the... No, um, could you put up a diagram? <laughs> well, there's 17. Um, essentially, your reasoning for having six Pokemon in your party is to have that variety, right? Because right. like, uh, when you start encountering gyms, which are like themes, essentially like boss dungeons, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they're usually all of a certain type. So for that gym, you might want water type yeah. or grass type. Gotcha. So that's really the motivation for having a variety leveled up. But honestly, like uh, what I typically do, you typically when I play Pokemon games just for like the main story, I don't pay attention to any of that stuff other than maybe like having a few different options. Yeah. And in terms of like what their stats are, in terms of what ones I'm using, I pick the ones I like and I level them up and that's how I play the, the story. It's not mm -hmm. until I get to the end game that I start worrying about breeding Pokemon right. and playing it competitively. Well, so bringing this back to what Joe was saying, 
I, I was in a similar situation, like not really knowing. And it's because I think this is kind of a, a, a interesting and unique divide between these two sides of the table, kind of. Joe and I didn't have all of that sort of uh, uh, almost cultural literacy, that game literacy, yeah. Yeah. to know w which direction we should take it. And so we were kind of just like walking around. I was leveling the hell out of my total dial, and, and, but I was still on the f first and second towns. Yeah. And he was just annihilating oh, wait, we everybody. We talk about what starters we picked. Oh, that's a... Actually, let's do that first. Or this next thing I'm going to say. Right. So what started you? All right. I already forgot what kind it is. It's like a little dog. Oh, it's my favorite game. Okay. <laughs> it's a little dog. <laughs> it's like a... Let's see how he So this is, this, is Wait, this is Sapphire. Alpha <laughs> Sapphire. And they were... Dog. It's not like... Well, it's like, a, like it was furry. It had like a fur coming uh -huh. out of the back. Uh-huh. Go on. <laughs> and... Uh, Fur on the back. Is this Evie? No, 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 no. She's definitely not Evie. This is okay, really funny know. knowing what it is. I'm just going to let you go. You're not going to say you know no, why you keep going. You're just trolling now. <laughs> Stop they're it. They're laughing at us old people is what they're it's doing. It's like a, it wasn't a zigzagoon, I know. Okay, that, what color was That's it? the other oh, kind. Yeah, that's going to be Do you really remember what color it was? It's like sort of brownish, right? No. What? <laughs> Purple? No. <laughs> if it's a starter, it's one of three colors. He didn't have a yeah, color yeah. version. It's either green. Green. Red, red or blue? I think it was red. I think you're wrong. <laughs> Why don't you just say the, the red kip? Right, uh, what? a mud kip. Yeah, mud yeah. There's kip. no fur. Okay. There's oh, no I would, fur. I would pick What's one called mud kip? No, that was, was the other one. That was the zigzag. You are thinking of zigzag. Damn, yeah. I'm That's sorry okay. now that I didn't play this because I totally would have picked uh, a mud kip. I know it's a water type because I had a water gun. Eventually. Becomes water and ground, which is a pretty good time. Yeah, I mean, well, but, it makes it really. And then I, I got, um, I got something <laughs> called, um, I can't remember now what that's called either. But I got to switch out my power, and it got, I got a power that was kind of cooler, like it made people slower and stuff. Oh, I that's think. cool. Yeah. I think it was slower. Was it mud flap? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So it lowered their accuracy. Lower their accuracy is what I meant to say. Yeah. And it's Boots. nice. So nice. <laughs> what, I, what I really liked about it I is love that playing it, Pokemon Shades. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> okay, two words. First word. Um, no, but I but so these this is interesting in terms of thinking about mechanics. So, so the stats were not important to me, but I was immediately engaged mm -hmm. by trying to make decisions about which power to yeah, use. Definitely. Because as soon as I figured out how to catch them, I realized that the growl, right, which for low-level Pokemon was going to kill them instantly. Mm, I was like, I need no. to have a way to, like, wound <laughs> them. <laughs> Sorry. Faint. Instead of making them faint, air quotes, <laughs> I need to know. It, yeah. It, it's okay. Wait, it's am okay. I picking the wrong one? No, let, let him get <laughs> his right, thought right, continue, out. Continue. Is growl the one that makes them? It, lower, it lowers hair. Wait, so what am I thinking about? <laughs> tackle. Tackle. That's the one. Instead of going tackle, tackle. I had to use something that was lower power so yeah. that I could weaken them. Tickle. And Mudflap was a really good one because it, it, to most things, it did a very little bit of damage. So right. I could, I could control it better. And it's really hard if you don't aren't a pro to know like yeah. how close to get something down mm -hmm. to maximize your chance of catching it. All of that was really interesting. Yeah. To me, is I, my point. This is exactly what I want to revisit. Yeah, let's get everybody starters first because yeah. that's okay. going to help inform a lot of things. All right, All right. and just Crikey. for the record, by the way, before you say anything, yes. if there's anything else I mess up, <laughs> you, <laughs> I would appreciate if you just tell me instead of okay. snickering in the background. That's okay. what I did. Okay, okay. Oh, you know what? I will point out one thing because the listeners probably think 
It's mud slap. No, mud slap. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. You all okay. had a good laugh. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks. You had... Crikey the Totodile. I had Rowlet the Grass Arrow Shooting Owl. Right. Snivy. 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 Yeah, they're all the same. <laughs> uh, and I just bounce, bounce around a bunch of different ones. I tend to choose, uh, in the beginning, I would always choose water type. And in the past four generations, so I guess most of the generations, I choose fire type now. So that's my thing. Well, I, I think the dichotomy is probably where you were going next, Robbie. But the, the way they give you the three basic types to introduce you mm -hmm. to that, um, you have the fire, the grass, and the water. And then you also secret difficulty modes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you get a rival, right? So there's this yeah. difficulty sort of triangle where one of them's better against the other one, and it circles around your rival depending on the game. Either picks the one that's really good against yours or really weak. I think the newer games it skews towards the weaker mm -hmm. option. Well, Go okay, ahead. Sorry, but the reason why is because the secondary types that they get later on, yep. theirs is now stronger than yours. So at the beginning, yeah. yeah, it's that makes sense. Um, but like Olivia mentioned, that that the the one you pick initially, uh, and this also ties into what Brad said, um, in terms of who you should level up first. Uh, each gym has a type, so as you progress, depending on which one you pick, the first part of the game might be easier or harder. Mm -hmm. um, but you will eventually hit a roadblock in which your leveled up starter, who's like a solid fire type, is getting just dumped on because you're at a water gym. And, See, I would hate that. Yeah. So so, but then the game lets you know it's like, hey. That move was super effective against you, and then, it, you know, there's usually uh, strong types in that area. So right. as you're getting your butt kicked at this gym, you're like, it's well, really I guess I'm going to go and grind, and you find this other Pokemon that's cool, that's strong. So it's, a, it's loops within the loops. So what my favorite memories of playing Pokemon, I mean, I, I love the franchise, and I've played it for multiple decades. It's uh, <laughs> weird to say. <laughs> um, but my favorite memories were in the beginning when I played a lot more like you guys. And I'm not being... I'm not like criticizing you guys at all. No, sure. You have exactly the, mud, the experience. The mud flap. Yeah. <laughs> you have exactly the experience that everybody has when they first play a Pokemon game, which is um, they have a few that they like and those get overleveled and they stay in one area for a long time and you end up with Pokemon that are really, really strong. And, you know, whereas once you get to know the game a little bit, you tend not to stick around in an area and, and have super overleveled Pokemon. Um, which is, which is fine, that's one way to play the game, but early on, I feel like when you first play a Pokemon game, there's a lot more exploration, and there's because the game actually doesn't tell you a whole lot. Yeah. And like, yeah, you, the immediate entry points are the elements and the different types of moves. Mm -hmm. um, and it totally obfuscates the, or it doesn't obfuscate, like it tells you the power of each move. Yeah. Like you could see that the power of mud, Slap, sorry, is 20, <laughs> and the tackle is, I don't know, 40, 50, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yep. So, so you could see that, but you, it doesn't really tell you how does that number, like, you have that number, yeah. the power of the move, but you also have this attack stat. Yeah. And, like, how does that, there's well, different symbols. Yeah. And it doesn't tell you what those are. And there's also, I think, what's interesting to me, too, just from a design standpoint, is I had the advantage, I guess, of having a two-paneled, Right, yeah. the the 3ds has the mm -hmm. the top and bottom panels, but even with that extra space, I'm assuming compared to other handhelds, there's still some really diff there's some UI issues that have to be tackled because of the limited space. Yeah, and I think it it's it's hard like you can't immediately access that information. A lot of times, you have to go through a couple of levels of UI to get to it, mm -hmm. and so. Um, 
And that's just because of the limits. It's such a small space that they're working in, and they've sort of got the main game happening up here, and then the, the UI for the... Yes. Is there something I missed? No, you're you're right. Yes. Sort of. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's better than usual. <laughs> they, they tackle all of that in later games. So you played Sapphire. Yes. In Sun and Moon... Mm -hmm. It, it explains a lot more of those things okay. almost right away. Yeah. It starts telling you, it, it, it starts giving Oh, no, so I oh, don't mean ahead. about explanation. Oh. I, I oh. literally mean about, like, so you can get things? to a thing that explains the moves and oh. gives you the stats of them and tells you, like, which Pokemon you have and what their current status is. But all of that is, like, Barry. you have to go yeah. down into the lower system. And, again, that's... I, I think they've done as about as well a, a good a job as they could given the constraints. But it's still like I have to leave this main area where I'm kind of engaged mm. and doing stuff to go look for that information. And so a lot of times I was just like, eh, you know, I just mm. kind of surged ahead because I wanted to stay engaged with the 3D space. And I didn't want to kind of um, it's a it's an interesting I mean, again, from a design standpoint and, and even the kind of phenomenology of it, like the experience, it, it really felt like stepping out in a way that weirdly with a single screen like, even when I go to a menu in a single screen, it didn't feel the same yeah. step away as I did going to a completely different, literally a different physical screen. So that's really interesting to me because in the games, and all of them, I think, they phrase it as like a, or they, they present it as like a totally diegetic thing. Mm -hmm. You have this handheld device that is on your arm or whatever yeah, yeah. that has your map on it and you can change your inputs on it. And it takes a different form. Some of the games, it's just a cell phone. Some of it's just something else. Yeah, yeah. And so to me, that always felt like, it felt like I was my character checking my watch for yeah. messages or calling my mom or which you can do. Right, or, right, right. Um, that's always what it felt like. So it's really interesting that you felt like it was that much of a separate. Yeah. It always felt like a more immersive thing yeah. when you moved to dual screens. That's it. That is interesting because I think, and it goes back to that sort of literacy of these types of games. I think Joe and I didn't have that, and right. and that's you didn't have the, the change. Yeah. So I, I felt exactly right. the way Joe. If they did. put it on the side of a toaster, <laughs> which is what we had in the seventies. And then, then you would really right. If someone had drawn it in crayon and put it up on the refrigerator, no, it's but it really is interesting to me because I I didn't. Like, I, when you say that now, and I think back on the experience, I'm like, I think they probably mentioned that or gave me that information, but it never felt that way to me. Mm -hmm. It felt to me like, here's some stuff you need to know. Here's where we're going to put it. Um, but it's not, yeah, so I totally had a split that was, was hardware-based. Um, that, That's yeah. really interesting. Yep. Yeah, and, and I totally was the same way. Um, and I think that was, honestly, my biggest takeaway from sort of the bigger overall experience of this game was how much of that game literacy is, that you have to have for these. And, and it's just interesting in a big way how much of that you three have. Like that's really baked into you from a lifetime of that experience. And and with yeah. Joe and I, it's, uh, I mean, I, I won't say that we were lost because it's still, the games work. Uh, uh, yeah. Even for old guys, the first time we're playing them, but without that, without all of the the tropes, and they're very specific tropes to this uh, 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 to this series. Um, I, I've seen some of the things appear in other places, but definitely yeah. it's a lot more. Yeah, yeah, so, and, and it seems like in a, I, I've noticed that it seems like other things are almost referencing yeah. where they are from from the Pokemon stuff. But like I was talking to Joe earlier, I've played JRPGs before. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I did before this, I did play Pokemon Go, which is a really a different experience. It's very, different, uh, yeah. very It's a different thing. But that was another way that I was kind of familiar with some of the uh, Pokemon. But um, having played those JRPGs and so many other games like this, and even Monster Hunter, um, they're, they're different beasts. Or, or, or Pokemon is, is almost a singularly different thing uh, that I don't think there's anything like, right? No, no. There's copycats, but yeah. yeah. It's sort of its own subgenre yeah. of the game. And, but it's huge. It's so, 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 such a big subgenre. Sorry. I, I want to switch this conversation real quick to mm-hmm. a, another big thing. But first, from you two guys, um, what, what kind of fun did you guys have? Like, could you just, like, you guys both seem like you enjoyed it. I guess talk a little bit more about, it, like, exactly what sort of enjoyment you had. Sure. Yes. Me? So the, you? So go. The, I'll go. You go. I'll go. I'm going. I'm go. Going. I'm jumping in. Go. Um, go. So Go. part of one of the, the big, uh, the things that I liked was the sort of exploration and the collecting part of it. Um, I could see myself very casually, not in a way like I'm having to, get to meet all the benchmarks, but in a really casual way, almost in a bug collecting kind of way, a, a very natural and organic way. Um, just spending time in this environment and going out and catching these things because they're interesting as an explorer more than like a battle uh Dude. He's a Pokemon Ranger. Yeah, there you go. Hey, thanks. <laughs> it's interesting. That's that's the way I even like to this day There's kind of engage with it. Yep. Like I never worry about like the breeding or the competitive yeah. aspect. I'm playing it because I want to go catch this oh, cool one. We're gonna get there. <laughs> and then I'm gonna catch, kick this guy's butt with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that's like my total enjoyment. There's it, definitely so. multiple levels of yeah. Sure, sure. So what do you got, Joe? Yeah, what, what do you, you got? Um <laughs> right you guys would be like yeah you're a pokemon medic <laughs> now, you're officer um, jenny exactly you like to heal nurse, them nurse joy nurse right joy. um so i i i really like the surprise i think that what's the term elinks right kawa talks about like those four types and so the surprise right like being on a roller coaster so i there were so many things that i just <laughs> And again, it was lack of experience, probably. But I was like, I don't know what's happening, but it's <laughs> like something just surprised me, and now it's gonna attack. I don't know what that attack is. Like, okay, so there was there were lots of moments where I, I I'm pr- usually I'm pretty sure what's going to happen in a game, and there were lots of moments where I was just like, Am I gonna get beat? Am I not gonna get beat? Is is this attack gonna go well or not well? <laughs> I have no idea. And so the kind of constant yeah, yeah. surprise that I felt for the first at least couple of hours was pretty satisfying because I'm like, oh, a new surprise. It's all also, um, uh, to throw in, it's also yeah. very kind of forgiving in that respect. Well, you that's the other piece. You never yeah. get wiped out. No, so I, I, it's been a long time since I played a game that had such low, low um, stakes for like failure. Yeah. And, and that was really nice too. Like, so I'd go to the, I'd go to the nurse and I'd be like, hey. And she wasn't like, yeah, that's 50 million pounds. Right. Pay up. She's like, oh, let me just take those from you. Pokemon is they, a social oh, yeah, they yeah, got very like, good healthcare. Yeah. Uh, I, was like, I was like, wait, you don't want you don't want twelve hundred bottle caps? Because I don't have any money. Right. No, they do they do rob you after they beat you up. That's true. Like, you, yeah, you black people, out. People you can lose. steal yeah. from anyone if, as if long as they beat them first. No, that's right. Yeah. And I, I was pulling money in, but part part of that was like Brad said, I was I I was 
living the power fantasy of crushing low-level Pokemon for hours. <laughs> I was like, oh, level three. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> one hit kill after one hit kill. I was like, um, oh yeah, I did. But that. the other piece, so other than the surprise and the and the and the kind of low, like feeling very calm because I yeah. never felt like I was everything was felt very in control more or less. Weirdly, those two things were happening: surprise and a sense of control. But then the other was just like. It is pretty fun that, like, they tell you pretty explicitly what things you haven't found. And so you know there's, wherever you are, you know there's stuff you haven't found. And that if you want to, you can spend, and I will say the, the flip side of that is, like, the 52nd time that I got the wrong kind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, come on, just give me one of the kind I'm looking That's for. That's a new feature, by the way. That only existed in... I think in Saf I know X and Y maybe had okay. it as well. Mm -hmm. That would tell you, hey, there's still more in this area. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which was nice. It was really yeah. nice. It's really nice. Made me happy. Yeah. They give you a little shadow so you can sort of like if I knew what they look like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's the kind. <laughs> that shadow tells me almost nothing. Yeah. The anime gave us lots of practice at identifying Pokemon by, by silhouettes. <laughs> Unless it was a Jigglypuff theme from Okay, so everything you two just described is it's just speaking for myself is definitely what drew me into the franchise um and it's still it's still something that i seek out and enjoy but i have put over definitely over 200 hours in every single game there are some cartridges that i have 500 hours wow. yeah so and i don't and so that that yeah exactly so that <laughs> feeling of exploration only lasts for so long so now <laughs> for the first 3,000 hours and, and but all those mechanics do sustain a certain amount of enjoyment certainly I go through the first 40 hours of the story with just that level so now I want to turn the discussion to the systems and mechanics that you guys probably never even got exposed to and then one that we mentioned a lot was breeding this is which the is pro pro topic yeah well because uh, just to sort of yeah. transition should, a little bit um, no, what is so used to when I used to play the games it was just that. Like, I knew that there was some Pokemon I had never seen before, some area I had never been to, and it was just, like, trying to... Like, before it was all learned information that was already yeah. up here, it just felt like... like So, to me, I've always been really thrilled by mechanics that I don't really understand. And mm -hmm. that's a, sort of a weird thing to say, but if I can tell that there's something going on in the background... Mm -hmm but I can't quite figure it out, it's just really, really thrilling, right? Mm -hmm. Just that idea that there's some calculation going, like go, like as a throwback, the, uh, the episode on Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor, where it felt like there was some math going on with those prayer values, yeah. we didn't quite know what they were doing, but it for, for something kept me... Like, does luck do anything yeah, at all? Yeah, like, I just like, kept being really compelled to just try and experience what that was, and even if it ended yeah. up being nothing. So that was a lot of what early playing Pokemon was like to me. Like, I can tell these numbers are doing something. I don't really know what it is. It's just a mystery, right? It's a mystery just, to solve. And also, there's lots of hidden puzzles and stuff in the game, like the unknown puzzles and... Oh, man, I forgot and, about and, that. And, and, yeah. And stuff like that. Like, uh, it, it just feels like there's this mystery, right? It, in Sapphire, there there's a lot of places that have, like, Braille. Yeah. And there's, like, there's a whole system of, like, lots finding of a rare Pokemon in, that you have to, you have to, like, know Braille. Yeah. yeah. It's really yeah. good. Um, oh. but, 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 but I say that to say that now, when I play Pokemon games, as much as I, like, enjoy going through the story, it's usually a means to get to the end game. Because right. now I'm one of the, like, I'm a little bit more of an elevated player in that I'm not really playing it for that as much as I am to get to the end game so I can start doing breeding and I can start doing trades and I can start creating my competitive team. And it's not really the same game for me as it used to be. So to speak on that a little bit, the sort of the bridge was between getting to the state 
and um, my experience was that I would notice that sometimes uh, in the early days I did restart my cartridge all the time because we only had two Pokemon games and so what else are you going to do? Um, and I would notice, you know, this time I'm using Scratch against this Onyx and I should be dealing as much damage as I, as I am. Why am I dealing more damage this time than the last time I played? Uh, and sometimes I would I, I would have two identical Pokemon because I just wanted to because I was eight and I was just doing mm -hmm. stuff. But I would notice that one Pokemon uh, would survive many more hits than the other, even though they're the same species. Or what if sometimes you have two Pokemon of different species with the same move, but somehow this one is dealing massively more damage with that same move. And so you start to learn things like, well, if, if a fire type uses a fire type move, it deals more damage. And so this Pokemon's not a fire type and it's using a fire type move, so it's gonna deal less. But sometimes that also doesn't explain because you might have two non-fire type Pokemon, both using the same fire type move, but still one deals massively more damage. So stats become a thing. You start thinking about like, well, how come, how come this Pokemon of the same level and this Pokemon of the same level, same species have different stats? So, <laughs> and and so originally this wasn't intended to be something exposed to the player. In the first few games, it was just sort of a, a, a way, yeah, a yeah. way to give each Pokemon variants because it was based on bug collecting, and you wanted to like sure. have one that was better than the other. And eventually, but. yeah, <laughs> because human beings are are curious about everything and they want to figure out. Yeah. they can't stand having a hidden system they don't get. So within probably two generations, uh, everybody figured out. Okay, so Pokemon have hidden values. Hidden values. That, so each species has a range that they can have for every stat. So some Pokemon are naturally more geared towards attack or speed or whatever, or defense. But inside of that species, each individual Pokemon has a, a rating between 1 and 31 of bonus <laughs> points that it gets per each of those stats. So that's how you can have... So most of those Pokemon in one species will be prone to attack, but some of them will be amazing attackers, and some of them will just kind of just be happy. Well, let me ask you something. Is it... Is that based on individual? So if you and I have the same Pokemon individual. at the same yep. level, you might have a better one than me. Yep. Yes. Okay. Of the same species, it, same level. So it's it's randomized. It's like a nature. It's sort of randomized. Yeah, like, sort of. Yes. But okay. when it comes to breeding them, you can breed them for their pedigree, right? So if a parent has high this stat and another parent has a high different stat, and you breed them enough times, you might have one baby that has both of those same high stats. But they're in stats. That so baby how do you have And you bring so, another parent. Right. It has two high stats. Yes. That so, are different. So now you get it. That's yeah. essentially what. And how many stats are there? Six? Five. Six. Later on, they, they added. Later, so in the beginning, there was one special stat. And so if you breed three of them together, and they all have two high stats. No, because it's random. So, yeah. But, but the <laughs> but thing if is. you did it six million times. Exactly. That, exactly. So that is the game. <laughs> what you just described is then the game. Then you can make foxes docile. <laughs> what you just described <laughs> is the game that I play when I play Pokemon. Yes. It is that game. Bad scientist it's not Pokemon. The game that you guys I am so you, <laughs> Tanner, and so not. <laughs> well, well yeah. You're, you're like poke, playing Pokemon interesting so, for someone else to Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so, so what ends up happening is with all this background knowledge of stats and all this stuff, it those initial 50 hours where you're playing the game and you already know kind of the ins and outs of what's going on. Yeah, I'm not spending a lot of time breeding. I do focus on effort values, which we'll get to in a second. Effort values is pretty good. It's like a statistics I, lesson. I do sometimes Pokemon think about that, math. but it's, it's more just like, you know, I get how to play the game, so I'm just going to go through it and enjoy it. 
but you but you that those systems still exist and so it just becomes like an interesting thing like uh oh i have this uh puccina or whatever oh wow i caught one that has really good attack stat this is pretty cool i'll keep them around for a while um and that so a lot of that mystery is gone but now i have that expertise that for the first 40 hours i'm not playing hardcore like i will at the end of the game but it's sort of like interesting as I'm playing, like there, a lot of the mystery is gone, but now I, I have more understanding and flexing that understanding for 40 hours feels good. And then, but then it wears off and then I have to go back yeah. to, mm-hmm. yeah. okay, yeah. now I got to catch and now I got to so, breed and. Super quick question. Yeah. So at this point then are, are all of those numbers exposed to the system? To oh, the right. Mm. Kind well, actually, um, I think in the, cur- as of the current definition, uh, Jen, I think. They are. So they are, yeah. They definitely yeah. are in like X and Y and, and above. Yes. Because they have yeah. So when so, you go to your Well, breeding... they do in that there's a there's a character you can talk to okay. who will speak to you in code that you can decipher okay, right. to tell them what's so, there. So when you go to your breeding fields with your little guys right. and you're like, Get uh, they're at called it. the daycare. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a daycare. So when you do that in those latest games, you have you have complete mm. perfect information. No, 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 about no, 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 no. no. Okay. So you have to get what? No, oh, sorry. <laughs> I just want to understand you because, because that, online there's Oracle. There's a broader, interesting question about separate from Pokemon as a game. There's a broader, interesting question about the exposure of information yeah. and about per, right. games yes. of perfect and imperfect information. And, it's, and but, so I'm just curious well, how, about, no. how so much you know. Essentially, it's become more exposed as the games. Yes. Like in yeah. some games, you have to like essentially I'll hatch like 20 of them and then take them in a big batch to this guy who will tell me what their rating is. <laughs> well, and in some of them though, you can actually. Just just see that on their profile. Okay, okay. so so in the beginning. <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> in the beginning. There was darkness. And then there was Arceus. It's the god of Pokemon. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> Who is a Pokemon himself okay. or herself? Sure whatever. Uh, okay, so in the in the beginning, you can only find out those things by um, having something that's reading the internal memory. And no, none of that information okay. was exposed. Or by just kind of so you'd figuring have to hack, out. basically. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then as, as the games went on, it started. There would be one character in the game that you could bring a, a po- one Pokemon to, and it would say, "This is great. This is okay. This one's decent." And and, now, and you had to interpret that to know sure. its overall stats. Then they added a single line, so it would tell you this Pokemon's great, which gives you an overall idea of their individual values per stat. Okay. And then they might say, "And its attack is blank." So then that would let you know if it's high, whatever they're highlighting is its highest stat, and then whatever code language they use lets you know how high it is. How high it is. Okay. And then relatively high. Exactly. Narrowly. Relative to its species. So so then as the games went on, they started to tell you more and more. And I think now they will tell you they won't tell you its rating for every single one, but they'll tell you its highest one. And again, give you a code for how high it is. If you have multiple stats that are tied. It'll tell you all all the ones that are tied for highest, and it'll also tell you all the ones that are tied for lowest. So that's it. So essentially, there's just there's a method to figuring it out, but it's not just like you can't just go to their profile and see what these numbers are. Right. So it's not going to be like thirty. Because for most, a a vast majority of players, it does not matter. Okay. It affects nothing other than that. You might notice that he's sort of weak in this thing, and then just talking to this guy and figuring it out for your team might be enough for you. Okay, but you and you can breed any Pokemon. Well, that's any Pokemon with a gender. Okay. Any Pokemon? <laughs> and do the legendary ones have gender? Nope. No. Well, it. except Fionn. <laughs> <laughs> Fionn does have gender. 
<laughs> Tell me more. Um, um, but so, then they also do things like they skew the gender rates. So starters yep. are hardly ever female. It's uh, I don't twelve point five percent. Sure. So that sure. like when you start the game, that's another one. You only get one of them, right? So okay. there aren't more yeah. versions of the starters. One in eight. Later. So a lot of people yeah, restart the game to get females. Okay. So also there's Pokemon Ditto, which has the ability to transform and it can become any Pokemon. But for purposes of breeding, it will also become the opposite gender of whatever you're breeding with and be that species. That's handy. Yeah. Yep. So so that wow. makes that makes breeding easier. That's a little breed factory. Of yeah. Ditto. So it makes it so every that... every well respected breeder yes. has a max IV Ditto. That just sits around in their daycare all day, which is what. Sure. So the, the idea is <laughs> getting a pleasure unit, pedicures, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. waiting to go to the that professional massage, the, yeah. yes. <laughs> waiting to go to the uh, whatever room. The and that's that's something that I really like about Pokemon too is that it has stayed true to its kid friendly roots. Uh, and so, so yes, you have a daycare, and you're you're technically breeding, and there are even characters in the game that are called Pokemon breeders. Mm -hmm. But the whole process of sure. how Pokemon eggs come about okay. is treated with, with, as sure. an absolute mystery. Mm -hmm. Every, right. every You're just like, huh? Where did yes, this come from? Every daycare center has the same line. It's like you know they were they were playing, right. and then one day we came out and we had an egg. Uh -huh. Here, do you want it? So, <laughs> and it's like okay, sure. It's not the Handmaid's Tale. No, <laughs> it is. It's just more colorful. <laughs> but um, but, but I say that to say that. Yeah. Those like high level Pokemon get used in competitive play, and there's like whole like sure. levels of community around having these teams that are maximized. And it's just really interesting to me that Pokemon as a series has all these different levels to at yeah. which people can enjoy mm -hmm. the game. Um, a lot of games, I feel like now, like thinking of other multiplayer games, like you know multiplayer shooters or whatever, it has one level, and that's the highest level you can possibly mm. attain. But Pokemon yeah. is still fun if you just play it through the story. And I think mm -hmm. that's one thing that I feel like the game is really, really, really good for. Yeah. yeah. When when I, who am not very good at playing Overwatch, listen to or talk to a high-level person who's very, very good at Overwatch, it I, I can tell that we are playing different games. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and also, I would not have fun if I played with that person. Uh, and it also, it, it seems a lot like there's... The, the flow of information can kind of only go one way. Like, the my talk of what I did in my Overwatch game is probably not going to be interesting to a high-level player. They'd be like, okay, yeah. Or, whereas, like, with sure. Pokemon, when you hear about someone's experience, it, I don't know, you you, you can still talk, sure. I, as a high-level player, can still talk to a new player. Right, like, unless oh, they, really cool. and they keep saying they're attacking with Growl. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, with Growl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? You attacked with Growl. <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, did you? <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. I'm pretty sure it's a debuff. <laughs> but when when you but when you mentioned mudslap, I got excited. Like I, that's that's a cool move, and I really like that move. And it's like, oh yeah, you got that one. And that's always a moment that I always look forward to yep. when my Pokemon get mudslap early on. And yeah, it was interesting too, though that it's hard. I think this is the other thing about um, sort of the knowledge base that you need. Like, so the decision-making that I was doing early on about, like, like whether to replace a power was so Ooh. just, like, throwing mm -hmm. yeah. grass up in the air yeah. and saying, which way is the wind blowing? But it's like, pretty forgiving, though, right? Because, I mean, eventually, if you decide you want one back, there's yeah. ways to... But I was so out. glad. Like, I was like, well, they, there must be a reason that they gave me this choice. So I'm going to replace it with the thing they gave me because there's, it's probably better for some. And it turned out it was better for... 
wounding them, not whatever it is you call it. Yeah. <laughs> Demoralizing. Demoralizing them <laughs> to the point where I could catch them. Um, the, uh, but no, it's I, I'm fascinated by um, just as you describe this sort of this interior world that I was not party to. Um, I'm really fascinated by that whole process. And when I get, when I really get into a game that, that kind of, I mean, in some ways it's like that, the kind of min maxing of, mm -hmm. of something. Right. Um, but what fascinates me now is one last question. So is there any randomness to the amount of an attack once you know those numbers? So like if somebody attacks with 31, no, not that's always going to do the same like so once you know the same damage with the same attack against the same pokemon yeah yeah yes okay so there's same. it's not like from one Shoot attack to the next there's some no randomness of, no yes yeah, so, no so, there are a few moves yeah, there are that few are moves. okay but, but they they will call it out in the text of okay the yeah Okay, but so because that's interesting too, right? Because well, there's also some that do things like base damage <laughs> off of the weight of the monster. Yeah, yeah, things yeah. Things like that. Okay, so. And, so then, and then you can use a move that lowers your weight, and <laughs> but but that it's in one sense that's not random though, right? Like no, if you exposed all of that, right? So is so, but you just said there is some true randomness at, to a some few things. moves that are uncommon. And so so the, there are also there are moves that will hit between two and five times. So it's a move uh, that has okay. low power. And it might hit twice, or it might hit five okay. times. And so if it, yeah, so yeah. if it hits five times at 15, that's pretty high level. Right. But that doesn't happen that often. But so, I mean, in that sense, like, there's still a tiny bit yep. of it. But but in, but if you were a pro, like, you yeah. all appear to be, to me, <laughs> who doesn't know anything. Um, <laughs> like, you're essentially getting very close to playing a game of perfect information, yes. right? So you're, you're mm -hmm. playing a game where... Like chess, you can look at the entire landscape of what's happening yes. and say, so like, I know just virtually everything that is possible here. Yes. And what, what more or less what the outcome will be if I do it. The only variable is what the other player is about to do. Yeah. Right? Okay. So I think in a practical sense, you, you could never have, like no human no. could ever have like that complete set of information. Because there's also a matter of you might not know what Iowa. moves they have. <laughs> you, yeah, right. Not knowing what moves the other opponent has is a uh, big deal. Right, so because, there's that. Right. Pokemon can learn moves through leveling up, but they can also, there's things, there's these things called technical machines, which you can use to teach a move. And then also, you can breed moves into Pokemon. Okay. So depending on how much effort the person put in, um, they might have a move you're not expecting. They, uh, the new okay. move pools are actually pretty big. Interesting. Okay. But also... So that changes it a bunch. One thing we didn't talk about was effort values. So... Each Pokemon has individual values. And personality values. types. And person. Oh, and, oh, of course. So, <laughs> okay. we're going to need another podcast. <laughs> okay, so, so there's okay. the individual... Level of depression that the Pokemon's feeling. <laughs> so individual values would be, um, you know, sort of like, like their genes. So yeah. they're predisposed to be some certain way. Yeah. Effort values are basically when you're training them. If you train a Pokemon against another Pokemon that is very strong in attack, that your Pokemon will gain effort points towards attack. Oh, but there's a maximum of 250. Yeah, I noticed that too. 255? <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't. There's, there's a maximum of 255 effort points it can gain, period. Total. Total, right. So you have to, so if you if you are focused and you only get some in, well, um, one stat can only be maxed to like 124. So you can, <laughs> so you can max out two stats, basically. Uh -huh. So if with you effort. did, right, with effort, exactly. So you can, so you can do that, or you can spread that out, and you can choose to divide those effort points into every stat, or maybe three stats or two stats. Uh -huh. um, so that comes into play also when you're facing an opponent. Did they? So maybe you faced a Charizard before, 
And maybe Charizard has an optimized moveset, but did this player also opt for to you know to maximize the special uh, attack and the defense? Right. Or did this player choose to maximize yeah. the speed? So effectively, huh. like in terms of like the turn by turn, like what the actual like if you have six Pokemon, two very skilled players, or like you know, it, it really the skill comes down to like the knowledge of all this information yeah. more and than so choosing. So there actually, is a skill to ways, playing the like, game. It's more like poker in a way. A little bit, kind of, because yeah. you have, but to, with a lot more variables. You have to sort of make your play and then rely on and you're and you're learning as you actually it feels a lot like a game of texas hold'em right so as, as i start to think about it so you're you're essentially making a decision here they make a decision you gain some information from mm -hmm. that almost immediately and then you have to make your next decision based on what you exactly the, the new pieces of information that you have so you want and that's going on three or four and, or five and that information rounds. can even include like what popular item sets for this pokemon are yeah. what pop like so what you think they might have versus yeah. what them varying from what's expected Interesting. And, and that's really where the game is yeah. and like what what's the common counter to this pokemon and if they bring that out do i have a move maybe that they won't expect so that i can take on that yeah. counter so i can counter that counter yeah so it is yep so it, it is a lot more like and you have like a game of poker and you have four moves and oftentimes at a high level play you can take out a pokemon with one or two moves so if you have two moves that you never use and you just save them, then that's information they don't have until the moment that you need it. You bring yeah. it out, you wipe out that And Pokemon. it's really satisfying. Right, because they're like, oh, I didn't when know you like, would have that. Or yeah. when they're like, oh, they're probably going to use X move again. And then you're like, aha, ah, actually. I got this one. Yep. Yeah. And it's, 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 the, it's, it, the ace of the whole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. it makes the actual okay. like so experience of the battles yeah. really exhilarating to feel like you're pulling the rug out from yes. So, So one thing that you're... That, that we're talking about here, and you mentioned it about five minutes ago, Olivia, the the sort of the different la layers and, and and personal levels that you can play this game on, um, that reminded me of the different ways that, that you and I, Olivia, played uh, Monster Hunter. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get into all the super big depth, and I, and I just didn't put the hours into it, but I don't think that I would have played it at that same level, but we've done that with several games. So... Uh, 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 Near Automata. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It had multiple levels of, of different play style, and you could decide to go super deep into the things like what you guys are talking about. Um, and of course, uh, 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 Monster Hunter was the same. Uh, Tales of Majael had a lot of depth level, but the difference between there wasn't a lot of just casual play of that. You pretty much. It wasn't long before you were in there looking into all of your numbers and going, I'm really going to dig into this and find out uh, uh, what, what these numbers well, are. Because with Tales of Majel, the game is explicitly about obtaining that knowledge, right? Yeah. Of knowing what you might be fighting against, of knowing the layout of the map and what things you should be doing. Uh -huh. That to me felt like it was probably 50% of what the game was, yeah. right? Yeah, Whereas with just this, like staring at the screen where you could get skills. See, what's interesting, well, what's interesting about, about Pokemon, though, to me, is that that's not explicitly marketed as part of the game. It right. is another level of game that has just developed yeah. from the fact that people are so invested in it. Yeah. And, and so they, they've been adding these levels of complexity to meet yeah. the level of expectation mm -hmm. of these rabid fans that are engaging with yep. it. And it all came about, just to bring it back to the very beginning, because they developed a robust system to capture uh, a feeling of collecting things that are intrinsically different from each other and building your collection and comparing your collection to another. 
They came up with a robust system to do that. And all they wanted to do was present that really well in 40 hours. Mm. But it turns out that that system that they put a lot of care into <laughs> can be gigantic. Yeah, you you yeah. can draw that out to a 500 hour game. Yeah. yeah. And it still right. it still works. Well, it, Forty year franchise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a vital aspect of that, which you brought up with one of his initial directives, was make the link cable yep. useful. Is the continuity between games, right? Mm. I think there would be substantially yeah. less interest in spending that five hundred hours in a game if you didn't know that there's going to be a sequel in a couple years, and you can bring at least some of that with you. So. It's not like you you get your collection, you complete the Pokédex for that game, and then you you throw it away and you move on to the next one. Um, you you get to bring a little bit of it's that. all one game. Yeah, which is sort yeah. of one of the reasons it's why we picked it as one game. Exactly. For the podcast. Uh, so it's interesting though that it has that aspect, and I 100% see that. But at the same time, it was something again that I wrote down at the very very beginning of the podcast, Olivia. You said um, they follow the same formula. So like from game to game. You've got this very same formula. I mean, even the meme that you posted the other day on our private little chat thing <laughs> about you start the game and your father ghosts you, right? Like, that's the beginning of everybody's yeah. character. Uh, so many of these hard-baked formula of, of the same loop, the same, the same uh, uh, all, all of that in, in these game after game after game. And even though they introduce new things, they're still keeping it all so familiar and so small within that the range of what it is. So, yes, but they, they're very, at least after maybe the third generation, they're very careful with it. And I think they, they deliberately add enough variation. So one thing that they started, they did from the very beginning was um, semi-realistically place Pokemon in biomes they would normally exist, mm -hmm. which is why at the start of every game, you're leaving town and the field is filled with rats and beavers birds. and stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like, birds. yeah, it's just like the normal, and like bugs, there'll be like a forest and there's bugs. And so you see the same, so, I mean, there's functionally no difference between a Caterpie in the original games and then a Wurmple in Sam Sapphire. Um, Wurmple. Yeah. Wormple. I've heard of that. Yeah, you've got that one. <laughs> I've got, I do have a Wurmple. You Wormple. probably do. But they, they, they'll add a little bit of variation. So, for example, in Sapphire... That Wurmple can evolve in two different ways. It can be a Cascoon or a Silcoon, depending on what time of day it evolves in. It's, I thought it was gender. Or No, it's definitely, it's definitely time of day, because it eventually becomes um, a moth or a butterfly. Pretty sure. I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Moth for Let night, us know in the comments. Yeah, let us know in the comments. I could be wrong. So, um, but anyway, so later on, um, later on, all the different versions take place in different regions. So the sun and moon take place in Alola, which is very much like kind of Hawaii, sort of Pacific yeah. Islander. And then there's those Unova, which is meant to be sort of like a North American sort of area. The latest games, uh, Sword and Shield, take place in Galar, Galar which is sort of like a, a European-ish area. And so, so there'll be variations based on what sort, of, what sort of animals might exist in that region. So North America has a lot of sludge monsters <laughs> and wow. like uh, and trash. Specifically, like a New York. Like, yeah, specifically, yeah. like a very urbanized monster. Yeah, it's, it's a very urbanized toxic waste. Yeah, there's yeah. well, like well, sentient toxic waste. Yes, but also Poverty. this is sure, something I find cool. really interesting right. as well. Unova also had uh, high a cholesterol transgender um, trainer in one. There's a there's a character who like and they don't like come out and say it. But I just thought that was really cool that they included that in North America, which is, you know, 
normally mm-hmm. compared to a lot of well we have, we have sort of a, a spotty a spotty track record but in general it hey, is sort of greatest a, continent ever right we try we try to be very diverse and open so it was very forest. cool that they added that in, in the north america game <laughs> absolutely yeah um but yeah so yes it is the same loop every time but what becomes interesting is oh well that's interesting this this time they, the, you know yeah. yeah there's always a new gimmick with each game too yeah. like there's right. always like one game had the mega evolutions and one game had uh, regional variants, which they're continuing. But those all seem really small compared to the big, yeah. solid formula that seems yes. to be it's from game to game. It's got a very, very game solid game core game. that just but, has yeah. fun decorations Even on the outside. Even following that, that solid formula, you've got like around 100 new designs mm-hmm. every game. And with, with for most of the games, uh, for the most part, pulling those designs forward, <laughs> you get like an, a vast you know, quantity of these, these creatures that you can interact with, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. so there. I don't know the exact number, but it's got to be around a thousand at this point. Individual Pokemon Robbie? designs. We all look uh, no, we're 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 at. Um, I don't think we're at a thousand yet, but we're almost there. Yeah, it's nine hundred and forty on that. But <laughs> but like, it's the only yeah, thing I know. Six, seven, probably even eight hundred. It's um, definitely over eight hundred. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. and I mean, and that's an interesting problem too with the games. So I don't know how much time we have left, but. We're way um, over. Oh okay. my god! Well, it's just an interesting problem that they're really encountering because this generation is the first one where they're not allowing every Pokemon to be brought forward into the new games right. because they have to make that new models. Like, because each new game, like they have to totally remake the old models in the new style, and it's right, just right. immense. The scale problem my, is insane. Uh-huh. My, my, and I have mixed feelings about it. My pet theory about that is, and actually, it's a combination of the. A really popular theory online. Um, they're right that they do have to stop that. I don't think they necessarily had to stop it for this game, but they would have had to stop it for the next game. And so they're just introducing that idea now of like, we can't do this every time. There's a hundred new Pokemon every time. It's crazy. So just get used to the idea that there's going to be Less, yeah. a yeah a big section of them, but it's going to be the Pokemon that are right for this region will exist in this region, and that's it. And that should be. Plenty, right? Okay, yeah. so Maybe? okay, so it, it's, <laughs> it's it's not. <laughs> well, it, it's it's plenty for that core fifty hour experience. That's really great. Yeah, yeah. and there's still going to be the competitive scene, which is still going to be interesting and and fun it's and very be really disruptive. But though, what but, if you're the Wurmple guy and there's no Wurmples? Now? Right. Like, but uh, what, but what I'm more concerned with is I have a collection of at one of every single yeah. Pokemon, and so it feels like well, no, I mean. I still have that collection, but I don't get to use every single one in this game. Was I ever going to do that? No. So, <laughs> but you can't. But I can't. But now exactly. You can't. But now, it, yeah. So, but uh, you know, ultimately, that's probably a good move for the franchise because it's going to allow them to make more games in the future and let them keep making new Pokemon, mm-hmm. which I like. Um, but I think we've covered. A, a lot. lot of what makes Pokemon great. <laughs> a little bit of a lecture. Or maybe eight of what, what Pokemon right. has to there, offer. The, we did not even touch on half of the mechanics, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But that's okay because yeah. um, it's very it's a very robust uh, system that they came up with. And it's sustained this franchise for several decades and probably at least a decade more. Hopefully many more decades. <laughs> um, and yeah, it can be enjoyed whether you're new or whether you have... 20 years experience with it. Oh, so, oh, we're not, there's nothing new about Joe and I. <laughs> we're, we're the opposite of that. Well, new to the franchise, I mean. 
So, oh, well, that, so yeah, 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 I got you. It, it does have flaws. It doesn't tell you everything that is possible. <laughs> and it, it, even though it has a good tutorial, it does not explain all yeah, the mechanics. Uh, and there's still no. plenty hidden. But I think that's part of its charm. Yep. It's so, definitely a charm. Above all, if I was going to say something about Pokemon in general, charming is, is kind of the... Yes. The, so, the, quick closing thoughts. Do you want to go around? Sure. Uh, I started last time. Uh, start again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Pokemon so much. I don't care how much I'm supposedly grown out of it. I do not care. I love it so much. Um, I love every new thing that they add, and I love It's just, it's great. Um, I wish I had more to say about the specific one that I played, but really our, the point was to talk about sort of the, yeah. what the games were and sort of how they interact. Um, I just, I feel like there's so much more I could say way on time, but it's good. I do want to give a shout out to another podcast though, if you guys don't yeah. know. Um, a friend of mine has a podcast called the Pokemon Champions Podcast. He's really, uh, the podcast is all about uh, pro leagues of Pokemon. Uh, they do the card game as well as the digital game and they do commentary and they're really exploding recently and it's a really great podcast if you Listen to this and you're interested more about how that level of the game works, or if you're already into it and looking for more podcasts, check it out. So those are my questions. Awesome. I will try to remember to link that yeah. down below. Pokemon Champions, look it up on Podbean or iTunes or wherever. So, uh, you know, I have a long history with Pokemon 2, uh, but one thing I wish we could have gotten to more is just the overall flow of the game and how, how the kind of the, the system design pushes you through the game. Uh, because I know we talked a little bit how there's there's some stuff it doesn't seem to tell you right away, but I think it's a game that that asks you to trust it, mm -hmm. and if you keep playing, um, all of that sort of emerges in a way that feels uh, positive. Not like you have to pry it out of the game and they're not telling you things, but that it, it'll give that to you eventually, um, and you'll, there'll be a sort of smooth learning curve to it. Uh, but I really do think that the, the sort of continuity that the games have maintained is a big reason why they've been so popular. Um, it's made it easy for me to get back into them, even with like a 10 year gap in the middle. Uh, but I, I think those two things really sum up a lot of what I appreciate about the, appreciate about the, the franchise. Appreciate. Nice. I, I like what you said there. Uh, the, that, was, that was well said. Uh, very nice uh, uh, way to put it. Um, as I said earlier, I really wish that I would have started playing this. If I, I wish I was you guys' age. For lots of reasons, but uh, I wish I were young. I wish again. I were, yeah. I wish I had started when I was. I wish it was there to start. I wish I were a vampire, <laughs> a young vampire. Um, when I was six years old, uh, okay, that would have been awesome. Um, Olivia, hearing you talk about it from such an early age, um, and how it's kind of been there the whole time, it's it reminds me of the same way that I still feel. You said that you, you you're okay. You're happy that you're playing with it. You don't care how old you know. Uh, how old you are. I feel that way about things like Legos and all of those things that were sort of so crucial and, and informative when I was such a... Do what? And video games. Oh yeah, video games. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I don't really feel that way about like Pac-Man and, and uh, Pong though. I don't have any nostalgia for going back to play Pong. Frogger. A little bit. A little bit of Frogger nostalgia. Joust. Uh, no Qbert. That was just too oh, hard. Qbert. Because it was the XY axis. Anyway. Um... So yeah, that's my, my my big thing. I'm gonna continue to play really very casually through this and just and and uh, just have fun with it for until I die. 
Let us know when you become the Pokemon champion. Until you faint. Or fall asleep. Well, I, I I had a lot of fun, and um, the mechanical systems were really fun to kind of get a little taste of, because as you guys have already pointed out, it's it's an incredibly well-designed game, um, mechanically and thematically and all of the... And in fact, I just sent an article out to the Slack today, which talks about these issues, so feel free to read internal team. Yes. Um, but no, I, I, um, I think there's a ton, as a designer, you can learn just by getting a even a basic understanding of what what they're doing with those systems and and so it's great to have a chance to chat about them and also to get a feel for how i could use them in, in games that i'm working on so thanks for that okay all right do you have any closing thoughts Robin? uh i guess i kind of gave them you know uh it, it definitely has some flaws um you know it is the same formula every time but it's a charming formula um, and there's a lot in, in the system that it doesn't tell you about, but I think this is an example of, you know, they give you, like Tanner said, they give you enough information that you need to have fun. And ultimately that's their goal. And they just left out that their system for having fun scales. And the more that you learn as you get older or just more experience with the game, you can still have fun. Um, and that's really great and unique. And that's why it has such staying power. All right, so that wraps up our episode on the Pokemon franchise, picked by Robbie. And next month, continuing our uh, our influential or favorite personal games, uh, I picked Fallout 3 by Bethesda Softworks. So be sure to pick that up and play along, <laughs> and we'll talk about it next month. Nice. Um, as always, thank you guys for joining us. If you played, well... If you've ever played a Pokemon game before, uh, tell us what you thought about it. I know there's uh, tons of people with opinions and memories and nostalgia and everything else about it. So join our conversation. Pokemon. Tell us your favorite Pokemon, your favorite one of these games, your favorite uh, part of the series. Um, our theme music, which is, should be playing under us right about now, uh, is composed by Kevin McLeod. It's called Plain Loafer. And... Um, Thank you guys so much for joining us on the Study in Games podcast. We'll see you next month. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.